Um, anytime we see someone doing something well in the Old Testament, not so much to be our heroes, but to indeed to point us to Jesus. And in Joshua, we have one who has the same name as Jesus. We spoke last week of um, Jesus' Hebrew name was Yehoshua, or Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. So this morning, we're looking at, at um, Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 through uh, 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your, your provisions, for within three days you're, you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of, half of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land the Lord, uh, that, that Moses gave uh, beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would um, help us to understand your word. Lord, um, we believe that your word is inerrant and infallible and true. So, Father, we come with expectant hearts, desiring to meet with you by your Spirit. Give us ears to hear, O Lord. Give us eyes to see, that we might gaze once more upon our Savior. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Well, last week we spoke about this time of transition that Joshua and the Israelites were facing. Remember, God had called his people out of the uh, land of Egypt, where they had been sore and oppressed by uh, Pharaoh. And God brought them out by many great signs and wonders. And he brought them to Sinai, where he met with them, and entered into covenant with them, and gave them the Ten Commandments. And then he would go and he would uh, command them to go into the promised land. And yet because of their fear, they would not. And God caused uh, all the males, all the men, 20 years and up who uh, were um, eligible to be warriors, to die as they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And now we have come to the place where on the uh, east side of the Jordan, on the plains of Moab, waiting to go in finally to the promised land. And last week we talked about how this was a time that was ripe for fear, ripe for fear as they faced a new leader and a new challenge of going into a land that was uh, full of very scary people. But you know, times of transition are also times of testing in regards to obedience and disobedience. 
It is perhaps in times of transition that our obedience is uh, the most necessary. Uh, During hard times and hard seasons of life, perhaps when it is the hardest to obey, often because of the unknown, oftentimes because of, of things that we've never come up against, obedience is crucial and often sets the tone that by which we will experience the next season of life. We think about this with college. This is perhaps the most obvious example. That in those first weeks of college, the experiences that we either shun or participate in, the attitude with which we go to classes or perhaps choose not to go to classes, the friends that we get to know, uh, the friends that we choose not to, These will in many ways set the tone by which we will experience the rest of college. The same is true of those times of transition in middle school and even high school. Those times are certainly ripe for fear, but also it is a time of testing for obedience and disobedience that will transform how we experience the rest of the time there. Obedience is important for us, and it's important in our text this morning. We find in this text... uh, Uh, Several questions. Would Joshua obey the commandment of the Lord to get the people ready to go into the promised land? Would the officers of the people, would they obey the voice of Joshua and do what he asked? Would the Transjordan tribes, these two and a half tribes we'll talk about, would they uh, stay true to their commitment that they had made to Moses and to the Lord? And would they indeed follow Joshua? And would the whole people, the people of Israel, would they follow Joshua? Joshua and followed the Lord. This is a time in which their obedience or disobedience would entirely change their experience of what was about to happen. They've been in this exact place before when the spies came back bearing this great testimony of these uh, terrible folks who lived in, the, in, in Canaan in the promised land that they could never ever displace. And because of their disobedience they experienced about 38 and a half years of death as they wandered in the desert. As we look at our lives and we look at the lives and history of God's people, we will see that our lives and the history of God's people is one of ups and downs when it comes to obedience, isn't it? Perhaps it's like an EKG graph. You know, it goes up and then down and then uh, back this way with, I think, some more squiggles. Um, you know, up and down, up and down. This is what perhaps our life looks like when it comes with obedience and disobedience. But what we find is that we are called, because of what God has done in our hearts, because we have been transformed by the very grace of God, and because we've been called to glorify Him in all that we do, we are are called to lives of obedience, especially in times of transition and seasons of change, just like we see in our text this morning. Before we launch into looking at the particulars of the text, I want to... Um, explore a couple of good reasons and bad reasons to obey. For every good reason to obey the Lord, there are about a thousand bad ones. See, our hearts get involved very quickly with the obedience. Why are we obeying? Are we obeying to be seen? Are we obeying that others might think more highly of us? But I think perhaps the one that is most rife in our country in the hearts, so, well, I guess, across the world, is, is that we would obey in order to be saved. That great question which perhaps 
someone has asked you as they're sharing the gospel with you, or perhaps you've asked others, if you were to die tonight and God asked you, why shall I let you into my heaven? What reason would you give him to let him let you into heaven? What would you tell him? Most often what you hear is that I've been a good person. I've done X, Y, and Z. I know I've done some bad things in my life, but you should see the guy next to me. At least I'm not as bad as that guy. See, rife within that answer is the belief that we have to obey in order to be saved. And when we have the mentality, all obedience therefore just becomes drudgery and a great burden instead of the delight that God has created it to be. Christy was telling me of a conversation she had with her sister. Her sister and brother-in-law are out in Utah uh, planning a church amongst uh, the Mormons uh, in Salt Lake City. And uh, when you have a baby in, uh, in, the, in the Mormon world, you are actually allowed time off from going to their, I think, the stake, I think is, or the ward, the local place, the local gathering place, their, their quote-unquote church. See, within the Mormon religion, which is not Christianity, within the Mormon religion, if you don't go to, tabern- or to, uh, to the temple, if you're near one, if you don't go to the ward, the local gathering place, then your salvation might be in question. Because it's a point system. I have to do X in order to be saved. But you know, the ladies look forward to having kids, not just because of having kids, but because they get to take time off from going to tabernacle, going to, uh, to, the, to the ward. Now compare that, contrast that with what we read in Hebrews 13, or uh, 10. Hebrews 10, rather. Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25 and let us consider how to stir up one another to love good to love another and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but to encourage but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near why why does uh, the writer of the hebrews encourage us to come to church not that we might make god love us more or love us in the first place but because we need each other encouraging each other helping each other all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. See, we see this in, in our text in verse 11. Verse 11 Joshua 1, 11. We read this. There are some very important words here. Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. The Lord your God. See, there was already this relationship that was established between God's people and their God. Their relationship with their God was not based upon their performance. Rather, their performance grew out of their relationship with the Lord. This is very important. That we, we obey not to be loved. We obey because we are loved that we don't find our salvation in our performance. For if we looked for our performance for our salvation, we would be in a a heap of trouble, actually. Because even our good days are tainted with bad motivations. Praise the Lord for the death of Jesus. See, our obedience comes out of a changed heart, not out of a desire to make God love us or to achieve salvation or to make up for another sin that we've done. How many times have we done that? 
Our obedience comes out of a changed heart. See, God's people had met with him at Sinai. And they had seen his work and his glory for those 38 and a half years as they tranched through uh, the wilderness. They had met with God. They had an established relationship with them. And now God was calling them to obey And how much more now that we have Jesus, he has met with us and changed our hearts. He's taken the the stony, prickly, thorny heart that wanted nothing to do with God. And he has replaced it, according to Ezekiel 36, with a heart of flesh that responds and knows the voice of its Savior. We obey. We are called to live lives of obedience, but not in order to make God love us but because he loves us and has called us to live in a manner worthy of the calling that he has granted to us, as Paul says. We are called to obey. And I want to draw three principles from this text this morning about um, how we are to obey. The first thing is that we are called to obey because God wants what is best for us. How many times have we uh, been faced with those moments of, of not obeying or, or those moments of trials of, of, okay, I will obey here or I won't obey. But let me tell you something. That thing that I want to do that I know is sin, man, it looks good. The thing is that we don't sin because it's drudgery, at least at the beginning. We sin because it's fun. We sin because we see that in this moment it seems like that what God wants for us is divorced from what we think is really best for us. God may think he knows best, but in this moment, I know better. We believe that that what is before us, whatever sin it is that is tempting us, really is better than what God wants for us. The thing is, God calls us to obey because he wants us to experience the best life that we can. Now, for the Christian life, that may include suffering, uh, but as we eventually head into the true promised land, the, the heaven, uh, the, the land of heaven. I uh, was reminded of a story recently of Moses and McKenna, one of my 10 nieces and nephews. I think I got the number right. I counted several times. Uh, Moses and McKenna, when they were five and three, were told that you shouldn't run out into the street because if you do, you'll end up like this dead squirrel that had been run over in the middle of the street. <laughs> and their father said, you will be splat like squirrel if you run out into the middle of the street. And so several uh, days later, Moses, the elder brother, sees McKenna running to the street. Tears running down his face. No, Tenna. No, Tenna. Splat like squirrel. And he wraps his arms around her and stops her. Now she wanted to go to the other side. She wanted to play in the street. It looked like fun. But his, her parents didn't want her to obey to hurt her. Her parents wanted her to obey for her own good. And even in those hard moments when we want to do something so badly, we should remember that God sees the larger picture of where this sin leads. He sees the collateral damage that it will cause. He sees the the gangrene that is sin that will invade our hearts, that will hurt our relationship with him. It won't cancel it, but it will hurt it. Um, He knows the big picture. He wants us to obey his word, not so that he can keep us from having fun, but that we might live a blessed life, that we might stay away from the slippery slope 
of sin. No one ever thought that they would be an addict when they just took that first sip or took that first um, toke on a marijuana joint. No one thought that their lives would be ruined when they just started uh, uh, cutting a few edges, cutting a few corners here or there. No one thought that their lives would be in ruin when they just flirted with sin the first time. My friends, obedience is good for us. Not to make us, not to make God love us, but because God loves us and he wants what is best for us. But man, it's hard. Man, it's hard, isn't it? Obedience in those hard times when, when the deck seems stacked against us. May the Lord grant us strength to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what we're praying for, by the way, when we pray each morning, each Sunday morning. We are called also to obey when it's costly. We are called to obey when it's costly. We see this in verses 12 through 15. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, to them Joshua said, Remember the word that that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over, armed before your brothers, and shall help them. And to the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession, and you shall possess it. And the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. What's going on here? Well, you'll remember that there are two and a half tribes of Israel... Uh, that had desired to stay on the far side of the Jordan River, outside of the promised land that God was giving to the descendants of Abraham. And because they had uh, conquered the land commanded by King King Sihon and King Og, I wouldn't recommend naming your firstborn these, these names, Sihon and Og wouldn't work well today, but they had defeated them. They had been living in these cities, and it was a great area, and they said, look, just give us this land. Moses said, all right, I'll give you this land, but you better know that when it's time to take the promised land, you're going to have to go and help defeat all those Canaanites so your brothers can have their land. And now it was time to make good on their promise. And so to the two and a half tribes, the Transjordan tribes as they're called, Joshua reminds them of their promise to Moses and Moses' commandment to them. But don't you know this obedience would be costly? Think about this. All the men of valor, a phrase for all the soldiers. All the soldiers would be leaving whom? The children and the wives and the livestock on the far side of the Jordan. Easy pickings for anyone who would come in and raid them. For all the men would be at war if the Lord, of course, didn't protect them. But also remember they're heading into battle. And even though when, when um, God's people obey him, we'll see very few people dying in Joshua, when they do disobey, whole scores and heaps of them uh, do die. It's not all these men will be coming back. This was not a short venture either. This was going to be a long military campaign. campaign. And uh, as a result, this was, this was sacrifice. We are called even to obey when it's going to cost us something. It's easy to obey when it's easy to obey. It's hard to obey when it's going to cost us. Perhaps there's some job as a believer you cannot take. Perhaps at work a boss is, is trying to get you to cut some corners to get ahead. 
Um, Earl Cooper was showing me the tax code. And when he got started, it was about that thick. And now it's like that, that long. You know. Surely there are a few pesky regulations in there that we can look over. We are called to render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Perhaps there are costs at school. Perhaps there are costs at school for you um, middle school and high school and college students when your friends start doing and experiencing things that, that, uh, that are ungodly. It may cost your relationship. Remember, we, we, we said earlier, what do we believe and for what would we be willing to die? Do we really have the resolve to obey even to the point of death? For our, many of our believers around the world, they are obeying to the point of death. You think of the atrocities that ISIS has committed. You think of our brothers and sisters in Christ in China. You think of, 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 of our brothers and sisters in Christ in, in the Middle East who are paying with their lives for the privilege of being called God's sons and daughters. Perhaps it'll cost you friends. There will come a time that being a member of a conservative evangelical church will not help you, even in the South. And there will be a time where you'll be uh, forced to make decisions whether to invite the pastor over with other people or not. But in all this we have Jesus, don't we? Philippians 2.8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, Christ's obedience is paid for our disobedience. And his obedience was even to the point of death, the shameful death on the cross as he hung naked there, being shamed by his people with the guilt of all of his people poured out onto his shoulders that we who are disobedient might be saved. We are called to obey whenever and wherever. Verses 16 and 17, And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whatever you tell us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. And this is meant to be our call as well, as God calls us to obey him, not to pick and choose. You know, there aren't off days from obeying God. Maybe it's Friday night. Maybe it's vacation for you. Maybe it's when um, other people are looking. But there aren't any off days when it's called to obedience. Whenever, wherever, God has called us to obey. I grew up in Montgomery County. And I don't know if this is true or not, but it makes for a good story. Uh, what's the old line, don't ever let the truth get in the way of a good story? Um, Macon County uh, borders Montgomery County. And the saying is that Macon County was a, a county with no laws. Now, you know that there are laws in the book. So that means is if you want justice, you better not go there. If you want to do something bad, you can go there, and as long as you grease a few palms, you'll be fine. Um, are, there, are there seasons in our life, are there places in our life, are there times in our life that are our Macon counties in which we conveniently decide to pay, not pay attention to God's laws? Well, there is a cost of disobedience. There is a cost of disobedience. 
uh, verse 18, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The obedience of God's people uh, was the determining factor if they would take the promised land or not. And so disobedience would have a very, very costly effect. But there is another Joshua, the better Joshua, the true Joshua, who would come. And Psalm 2 tells us if we do not kiss the sun, he will be angry at us. And he will dash us like a rod of iron. The fact is, there will be one day we will have to give an accounting. Whether in Christ we'll be judged by, by his works and his performance, or we'll be judged, if we are not one of his, by ours. And there will be a cost of disobedience. Luke 13, 5 says, Repent, lest you also perish. Repent, lest you also perish. But here's the good news. Here's the great news. That our lives, though they are plagued with disobedience, they are not defined by it. Though our days are defined by struggle with sin each and every day, our salvation isn't up for grabs. For we find that, that what God has done is he has taken our track record of disobedience and he has placed that on the shoulders of Christ and he paid for those sins on the cross and he has taken the perfect obedience, what we call the passive obedience, the perfect obedience of Christ. He lived the perfect life in our stead for us and he has placed, God has placed that track record on our account that even though our lives are, are that EKG graph of up and down, up and down of obedience and disobedience, our salvation is never in question. We find this from 2 Corinthians 5.21. We read this. For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is why when we have those hard days of disobedience, when we just blow it, we can come running back to God saying, I'm sorry. And thank you for the forgiveness I have because of what you have done on the cross for me. My friends, this is our only place of hope. We have no other place to go. Our, our good works will never save us. Only the finished work of Jesus can do that. This is how we know he loves us, that he would send his son to die for us, even when we were ungodly. My friends, do you know this Joshua, this Jesus, who took your record of sin upon himself, that you might have his record of perfect obedience? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that our relationship with you is based upon the perfect performance and obedience of Christ Jesus. And we thank you that we have that record before your throne. So help us, Lord, to live up to whom we have been declared to be. Father, continue to sanctify us and make us more holy. Father, help us as we seek to obey you day in and day out, even when it will cost us. Lord, that we might be more like our Savior even as we yearn for the day of his return. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.